You're listening to the Don't Suffer Like Us podcast, hosted by Kimberly Fujitaki and Thea Pichelle. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Thea. So today we're going to be talking about the urge for self-preservation. I'm going to self-preserve myself by saying, hey, you want to say it? Abhinivesha. <laughs> Abhinivesha. Yep, the last cliche, which we have been talking about. So if you haven't heard, go listen to the other ones. There are four more. Um, and so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't go around fearing my death uh, very often, or does it come to my mind? Uh, I know that there are other people that that may be the case. Uh, but this one, I think, uh, is not as as sufferable for for me. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah and no, right? Because there is, I mean, it does deal with end of life, but there's other areas in life where, like, this comes up, right? Because right. the fear of ego death could fall into this categorization. I mean, this category, just like it did in egotism. Um, you know, the, the cultures in which people talk about death tend to do better with death than cultures (laughs) that avoid the subject. True. Um, you know, and in, in particular in the United States as a culture, I mean, even though we have subcultures within our culture, there's this fear of death. There's this avoidance of death. Um, many people will, many other cultures, they'll have a celebration of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's like villages in Indonesia in which they bring their dead out once a year and, you know, they make the meals and um, there's like a celebration aspect of it. That That's a, a lot different than here. Um, but it's to mark that person's existence and the importance of that person's existence within that family unit. Um, oftentimes here, people will avoid conversations about death. They'll avoid um, thinking about their own mortality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they do think about their mortality, they'll think about it in context of how much they haven't done in their life <laughs> right? or how old they've gotten rather than, you know, the, the life they've lived. Exactly. Yes. And I think that that's the framing too. Like um, when I was younger, uh, my family had always, you know, since, since I was very little, we had always attended funerals. And, you know, my mom has a large family and there's a big difference between a Mexican funeral and a Japanese funeral. My dad is Japanese and my mom is Mexican and Native American. So the cultures are very different in how they experience death and how they grieve and the the way that funerals are for these very different uh, cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, But that idea of passing has been something that has, you know, is not 
a new to me, you know, and it's been something that we've kind of grown into as, as not like a taboo thing, like, oh, don't talk about that. But as something that is occurring naturally in the rhythm of life and, you know, we can resist it or have, you know, negative feelings about it mm-hmm. or, you know, we can, we can acknowledge it as a part or a piece of life. And again, trying to chalk about, you know, the idea of having some neutrality in these types of circumstances, right? It, mm-hmm. Even having, you know, a funeral and grief, but having a celebration of life also, you know, and being able to find a space kind of for us, at least in, in between the two of them, um, because I feel like grieving someone is an important process um, for me and my family. Um, but at the same time, like celebrating their life and celebrating the person who, you know, had lived so much and has been a part of our family um, is something that I'm used to and it wasn't made um, like a scary or bad thing for me as a child. And so that's kind mm-hmm. of been how my life growing up has been um, with that. And, you know, for my husband, it is actually the opposite. Like he's only been to two funerals his whole life. Like that's, it's not, you know, the same. So we have a different experience of, of the two things. Um and I think that uh, most people have a different experience and whatever experience you're having with it, you know, mm-hmm. it's something to, to acknowledge and, you know, investigate, especially I feel like during a pandemic, right, we're grieving a lot of different things, not just, uh, you know, physical death, right, but like the death of our careers, you know, the death yeah. of of a lot of different pieces of our lives potentially. Um, and then some of those may be starting to um, come up, but, uh, you know, they might not either. They might never. Yeah. And, you know, different than Kimberly, I grew up Jehovah's Witness and there are no funerals. Um, there's memorial services in which people, um, discuss uh, scripture and how like what awaits that person Um, because it's a totally different belief system than, than most, right? It's like death is kind of like a free ticket to paradise. Um, There only a select few go to heaven kind of thing. Um, I won't go into detail, but it, so instead of focusing on, on the loss um, it focuses more on the person's hope for a better thing in the end, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's not like the funeral, you know, my, my mom's mother wasn't Jehovah's Witness. She was, um, I don't, I don't actually don't, she was, she grew up Seventh-day Adventist, but I think she might've been, uh, uh, what do you call it? Ah, I can't think of a Scientologist in the end. I found a Dianetics book once. I don't really know what her belief system was. (laughs) She didn't really talk about it, but she might've picked it all apart and got what she liked out of it all. Exactly. And with her funeral, it was, um, it was more traditional. Uh, she had been in AA for like 45 years. Mm-hmm. So there were lots of tears. She had sponsored a lot of people. So it was a completely cultural, 
it was culturally different for me than yeah. growing when I grew up. I'm no longer a witness. Um, but I didn't go to like what I would categorize as real funerals until I was an adult. Um, but as witnesses, it's like you, you cease to exist or, you know, you get to go to paradise. Basically those are the two options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so like death wasn't this like huge foreboding thing in which you might be punished for all eternity. Uh-huh. And so I think that had, you know, that, that had an impact. Um, but as a child, I don't know about you, Kimberly, but I almost died a few times. And so as an adult, like, I feel like every year is like winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm still here. Um, my grandmas are still alive. And yeah. one is uh, 98 and the other one is 88. So, you know, we're our family has you know a long line of life yeah. going ahead of them so there's so much that we have to you know the possibility for and yeah. you know I don't know what's gonna happen I have no idea I might not live till I'm 98 I have no idea but you and know that, yeah that's okay <laughs> and you know like going back to um the urge for self-reservation I find that tends to be much one of those things that tends to happen more earlier in life and into like our seventies. But I've known so many people who are like in their mid nineties or close to a hundred or are a hundred that are like, you know what? I've had a good life. You know, they're not clamoring on. They've, they've lived no. that whole length and they're like, I could go right now. Yeah. You know, it's come uh, to that settlement of, you know, when I see my botchan, she's like, I just keep praying to Jesus to, have him bring me home, but you know, I'm here. I'm like, I don't think it works that way. (laughs) (laughs) You're here for a reason. And, uh, you know, and, and it, yeah, there's that sense of like being at peace with what Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And I think that, that whenever I'm with her, I can feel that like she's, she's happy to be with us. But at the same time, it's like, if I were to go on, then I were to go on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, going back to self-preservation, like there's different parts in our lives in which we're in danger and self-preservation comes up and the human desire to live is strong. So it's not that we shouldn't have self-preservation. It's that, that acceptance, right? That at some point in time, we cease to exist. Yes. And that happens for all humans, for all life forms. Um, and being comfortable with that fact mm-hmm. versus raging against it, you know? I remember my grandfather, he was dying since he was 50, my dad said. He just said he was going to die every year. And he lived to 85. You know? Everyone's <laughs> dying every day, right? <laughs> So, you know, he had like this strong, (laughs) this strong, like, idea that he was going to die. And like, but so that's going back to that, the, uh, right, the, uh, not, uh, Devesha, Mm -hmm. where it's like, where you're, you have an aversion to something so strong that you have a relationship with it more than possibly necessary. (laughs) And like for 35 years. His repulsion was life. (laughs) His repulsion was life. I think it was an aversion to death. He just thought he was going to die. But yeah, yeah, so it's not like, hey, you know, you're in an accident. Just stay in that ravine. That's Mm -hmm. not, 
know, that's not what this is about. It's just, you know, making sure that, you know, we have, that we're able to appreciate that we have gone on this journey. Yes. And we've had a life, right? you know, when our time comes. And then if the time comes, then you don't have, you know, this massive amount of regret that you didn't do what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are we living today in the present moment? Knowing that, you know, we don't have forever. We just no. have some time. And I don't know how much time that is. I have no idea. And right. so I have to make the best out of the time that I have right now. And yeah. that's what I, you know, the idea of like self-preservation and how many selves have I had since I was, you know, born. And, you know, like there's just, that's just, you know. Mm-hmm. confounding like you know. <laughs> but yeah. then really like settling in to me instead of all of my identities you know that's the most important part for me specifically which makes me feel more at peace with mm-hmm. whatever ends up happening you know instead of being like well I didn't get to this much money or I didn't get to this part of my career or I didn't da, 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 da. so it's like no this is who I am without all the titles and everything else, I still exist as this being. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful to be yeah. able to be here, living through a freaking pandemic and being on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's crazy, but it's... Every year's bonus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just keep going. Just keep, keep going. You know, and when these things do come up, it's not that they're not, that we get to be above it all. Yeah. It's just recognizing it and then being gentle yeah. and observing our reactions versus I can't believe I'm still stuck on, blah, you know, blah blah, yeah. blah, 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 you know. Exactly. And it's hard. It's hard to get out of that trap because we're put into society with so much pressure on us Mm -hmm. that it's like why aren't you doing this why didn't you do this what in your life you're missing and it's like well no (laughs) yeah we have to resist against all those things because those things are really taking us away from like our center like that being which brings us to avidya right back to one (laughs) Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. ignorance that the cause of our own suffering so and then oh. I was just gonna say then goes then we go to asvita, right? Egotism. And it's deeply rooted in our connection with the identity of who we are. And then raga attraction, right? That desire, whether it's like a spiritual hungering, like I want, you know, I see other people feeling super happy because they're meditating, I'm going to meditate. And meditating's great. Right. But if you're obsessive with something, then then it creates imbalance. Right. Or and medita- it's hard to sustain. Right. Or meditating certain types of meditation are not for everybody. Yeah. You know, certain types of practices are not for everybody. There's a mm. lot of variance in our human existence. Yeah. And then going to the fourth one, Devesha, right? Like aversion. Like when we change, we have a tendency to often look back at our past selves, which we still are, right? Right. Like, oh, like I can't believe, 
you know, I did that. And everyone who does that. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. And I hate it. And because um, then we can develop a stronger bond and then find ourselves repeating patterns that are no longer healthy, right? Or no longer suit us. And then that takes us to this final chapter, the urge for self-preservation said. Abhinivadesha. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when you're ready to take that time to pause and look at your practice, look at how you're living your life, you know, where that, where your energy goes, right, is where your attention flows. And um, by becoming aware of your, your behaviors and approaching them from a place of curiosity versus judgment, and seeing, do I need to change something or am I okay right now? Mm -hmm. And then just, just do the journey. Right. I'm going to go, you know, bouncing around from one to the other sometimes because, you know, we're, many of us are in the perpetual cycle of suffering. That's why mm -hmm. called don't suffer like us podcast. Like we're, yeah. <laughs> we're still <laughs> working on it. Yeah. <laughs> we're very good at suffering. We're so, middle children. <laughs> it's an it's an opportunity for yeah. all of us to you know acknowledge and just be aware. You know, I yeah. think there's so much. It's so easy to just check out and not pay attention to what's going on. So if we don't have any idea of why or what's making us suffer. Which these are some of the ideas of what things could be happening inside of you that are causing you to have you know, anxiety or stress or pain, you know, then the more awareness we have, the easier it is going to be to shift or change those behaviors. If we don't even know, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And we can choose differently. That's right. And that's the brilliant thing on this long, long journey. <laughs> or not yeah. so long. Who or knows? Or not so long journey, yeah, we'll right? See. Like... Long yes. journey for me so far. So far. <laughs> Woo Keep going. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Don't Suffer Like Us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Don't Suffer Like Us to join the conversation.